0: Everyone, to season one, episode one of the EITF project. We're finally here and I couldn't be more excited to take you on this journey with us. So let's get started. Episode one features an interview with Fanny Mlynarski, AKA Fiona Miller. Fanny entered the tech industry with a job at Teradyne. She has since had an illustrious career as a domain expert and as a successful entrepreneur in the tech industry. She has launched two companies, Azimuth Systems and Octoscope Incorporated. She's currently raising a venture fund in the Boston area, which focuses on human rejuvenation and regenerative medicine. For the EITF interview, Fanny is our first participant, and she takes us through the ups and downs in her career as she answers our questions by drawing from personal experience as a woman in the early days of tech. She talks about the unwavering confidence she needed to have in herself and in her unyielding passion for her work. The episode is named The Ambitious Way because Fanny's first advice to the professional community is to start early, remarking that the ambitious usually do. She talks about what it means to channel your ambition and how one can hone it into a successful career. Fanny inspired Karthik and I to believe in ourselves and we are positive that she will have the same effect on our audience. Enjoy the interview you guys and don't forget to leave your comments. Let us know if you'd like for us to ask some of your questions as well. So apart from the introduction that I just gave about Fanny, I've been working with Fanny for about six years in Optoscope. She's the first person who gave me a job in the tech industry. Uh, I remember my first uh, interview with her and uh, it's been great ever since she has taught me a lot uh, about technical as well as non-technical areas about how to run a business um, and a lot about wireless from her as well Um, she really took me under her wing when i joined octoscope and uh, you know i haven't seen anyone who's invested so much in a newcomer and i i thank you a lot for it fanny well,
1: you really have learned a lot, Mandini, and I'm very, very impressed with how much you've learned and how much you've helped us grow. Thank
0: you, thank you. So uh, I'm very excited to do this uh, interview with you, Fanny. Welcome to the EITF project. Experts in their field, unknown to the world, uh, kartik and I are uh, going to be asking you a bunch of questions. And we think the answers will be very useful for a lot of people in the professional community, people entering, people who are already there. Uh, well, here with you guys and thanks for having me. Yeah, thank
2: you. Yep, thanks for doing this. It's, it's, it's gonna be fun to getting to know you more and a lot of your perspectives.
0: Uh, let's get started. Uh, I'm gonna ask the first question. Um, so Fanny, what was your first job And what is the one piece of knowledge that you learned during this job that you carry with you today? So I don't know how far back you want to go. (laughs) I had
1: all kinds of odd jobs and I learned a lot on those odd jobs. So I did everything from, I was an Avon lady, trying to sell makeup door to door. And then I was a typewriter. Uh, I, I worked for a temp agency as a typist and then a secretary answered phones. Uh, well, wow, so I did all kinds of stuff. Um, I started early because I just really wanted to work. It was an adventure and then uh, and, uh, I recommend every young person do that. Um, and I think ambitious ones do that anyway. Uh, but let's go to my first type job. And, I I was hired by Teradine. I finished Columbia University in New York City. Um, I worked for Teradine in the summer between my junior and senior year and loved the people uh, and the technology. Uh, In the meantime, I also worked on Wall Street during school and I was a programmer. And that was in the 1980 to 83 time frame where programming was not a common job and it was not a common thing to do Um, and on wall street they were just adopting it Uh, they were pioneering uh, computer usage for analysis so i got hired um, into one of the trading firms to write software to analyze the yields and the stock options
2: so was it the fortran days or the c days
1: it was it was fortran I I programmed in Fortran and basic actually on a PDP 11. And I remember we got a new PDP 11, which was a big deal. And it had this gigantic disc with this gigantic plate with a handle. And I remember my manager telling me, just 10 megabytes. If you ever have more data than that, then you don't know what you've got. I felt like I could stay, and I got, uh, but I really wanted, I was learning both computer science and electrical engineering, and I wasn't getting enough electrical engineering. And I was very, very curious. I really had the hunger to understand how everything worked. So in my senior year, I, I asked to be given a project. I did a project, uh, a little uh, cybernetic vehicle that, that followed a flashlight, and uh, I got it working. So I started doing electronics and I, I didn't really want to stay in software. Although there were a lot more opportunities for me to stay in software, but Teradyne gave me a hardware design job. And so I moved to Boston, they moved me. After my summer job, I, I went there full time after I finished my senior year. And I worked and I learned a lot uh, from the was very high caliber engineers there. And they did some pretty complex stuff, analog RF design. I stayed there a year and a half. And then I decided I needed to be in a smaller company. Just instinctively, I I didn't like the big company structure. uh, Didn't see that I was going to grow. There wasn't room enough. I didn't see that I was going to grow. And I've always wanted to start my own company. And it would be hard to do with just that experience. So I went and found Chipcom, which was doing Ethernet 10 megabit per second. Ethernet was very, very fast at the time. That was a time of 19.2 kilobit per second. That's what we used. And 10 megabits per second, again, like that 10 megabyte disk drive, it seems like, why, why would you ever need that, right? Yeah. And so here we are with 10 gigabit.
0: Yeah, that's what
1: I was gonna say. All over the air, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, so those were
1: that's kind of, kind of how my early career went.
0: You've had a very interesting career journey. I didn't know the pre-tech stuff actually. Um, that's nice to hear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's
2: it's interesting uh, hearing you talk about Fortran and Basic and how your manager was telling you executing code. I've always wanted uh, to look at how the pre-Python and the pre-Java days looked like where you just had memory cards getting inserted and then waiting for a week to get results out. And that's always been fascinating in terms of how the evolution of computers in programming languages ended up happening over the timeline.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, I worked with the cards in college, IBM 360. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you went to reading your card and went to the reader and read, read the book. <laughs> hours later, it spit it out and told you you had a bug or you missed this period <laughs> and whatnot. <you> know?
2: <laughs> so for someone entering in this industry, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give and why would you give them that advice?
1: So here's the hard thing is that what drives us and what makes us happy is having a purpose that we work towards right something that excites us we get engaged and and you get in the zone you know what i mean and then you yeah. just, now i mean my experience it doesn't just you know dawn on you what it is right you have to put in some work to get to know A new skill, let's say, a new area of technology before you actually get engaged and get excited. So there's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. But as a young person entering the industry, you won't necessarily know, uh, but it's important to understand that that's what you're looking for. When you start working in a new area, give yourself time, be disciplined, learn, it, and you're there to learn in the first few years of your career. You are not ready yet to do anything on your own, but at the same time, observe what it is you like, you know. but you don't know that until you work it, right? So you have to kind of decide. And that purpose, it can change every few years, every 10 years, it depends, right? So as a young person, you come into work and you kind of have to direct it a little bit. You have to find people who will help you. There are people you will work with they are older and more experienced, some will help and encourage you and others will not help you. And they would criticize or make you feel let down or discourage you. You have to watch for that. You have to be conscious of it yeah. and find the ones who will help you try to work for them or with them. You have a lot of choice. Some Sometimes you don't know that you have choice, but you do and you can try to speak with, to people who have the influence to put you in the right place and good managers always look at people's talents and see where they really fit and try to help them have the right fit. Having said that again, you have to be conscious that maybe you don't know until they've worked a little bit like Nandini said, she came and learned a lot. And when she came, she came right out of school. Like a lot of kids come out of school. I don't expect them to know anything. They don't know anything. Uh, We have to, help them learn and see what sticks. Where Where is it? I have to watch as a manager I think you have man and really listen and observe and see where the, these kids fit and,
0: and help them
1: sometimes develop the right skills.
0: I still remember my interview with you, Fanny, like it was yesterday. Um, I, was trying to, I was trying to enter the wireless networking space and I had no idea how to ping an IP address. I remember talking to you and I just said, you know, I don't know a lot of the questions that you're asking. I don't know the answers to them, but I'm willing to learn and I'm enthusiastic about it. And I still ask you, I think a couple of times after that, I've asked you, why did you hire me? <laughs> you, know, you taught me a lot about what I was missing when I first joined the job as well. I didn't know that the networking piece and the IP addressing piece was what I was missing. Uh, at the time I was terrified that I didn't know. Uh, but I guess once I uh, once I learned it, kind of click like that. So. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And you, I guess, uh, why, how do you
1: hire people? And that's very very hard. Some people interview well; they have nice personalities, they're engaging, you like them, and we're all we all make emotional decisions. Yeah. In the uh, some people don't interview well, but are incredible contributors. And I have worked with my two co founders, Ron and Jim. You can classify them as antisocial. (laughs) You know, they're amazing, amazing engineers. And so you have to be aware of it again that you are emotional. You have these, you don't know for sure until you work with a person. So we, as you know, at Octoscope, we ended up with a very kind of diverse team without trying we just hired people the one thing is if they don't work out you have to let them go to find a place where they're more suited so i think the answer is you you will never hire perfectly and you should just get the people in uh whoever is there and, and not prejudge put them in the water and see if they can swim right but in the end none of us can advance a company on our own i can't do it without uh, without the team and so we need to understand it and be willing to work with the team at the same time bring a lot of our own passion in
0: yeah
1: and, and make our mark and know how to make a mark even if it's a male core i would like to see some ambition a person who wants to grow beyond that starting
0: I have one more question and I think I've been wanting to ask this for a while. Um, what is one thing that you learned during the growth of your career that you had to unlearn to move forward and what was one of the biggest challenges you had during the growth of your career?
1: So What did I learn that I had to unlearn? That's a tough one, indeed. and I yes. thought about it when I uh, went to work for Teradyne. There was a lot of new stuff to learn because i had hardware design and uh, i had to learn from others in many ways and learn the discipline of setting up your bench and how to measure and how not to rush through things and go in circles so so you learn different things um at different stages as as you as you move on Um, i don't know that there's one thing And what did I, you know, it's, it's for for me, it was more like advancing and it's, it's a new challenge. I think in my case, it's more of a, I had to develop confidence that I lacked. I, sometimes I would let people influence how I felt about myself a little too much instead of saying well this person could be wrong I think I really can't do it and then as a woman in engineering and people will sometimes dismiss you so for me a very important thing to unlearn if you will was to develop this independence and and say they don't know necessarily what I can do and I'm the only one who knows and and I'm the only
0: one who can influence
1: what I can do
0: through effort. Okay. I mean, I've gotten very lucky with my first job at Octoscope because um, every time I was in a meeting room with um, a lot of experienced people, you know, I, w- I always felt like I was heard. To that point, I wanted to ask what do you think a new employee should do in, in a room full of experienced people, at least experienced in that company, to bring their ideas forward and to be heard?
1: Is it in a room full or can you, uh, is it an option just to go talk to the person who you know yeah, is? Yeah, talk
0: to the person, yeah.
1: So yeah. sometimes in a room full is not the best place because yeah. people forget who brought that idea. You sort of remember it was discussed, right? And if yeah. it's your idea and if it's dear to you and you want to it, I would go find the person who's helping me, my mentor, who's supporting me. Mm-hmm. and share the idea get their feedback ask them how to best advance it and maybe be given special time at a meeting ask that person to you know help you present that idea something special let's say 19 has to share with us so yeah. let's give her some time and, and that person would help you uh, that's how i would do it yeah. preparation is key for whatever you're doing and demos are key yeah. because People don't understand abstract ideas. Like you can say the Octobox has you know, web-enabled, graphical results, real-time results. But it takes your demo, Nandini's demo, to get that throughput plot ticking and to get the RSS and to get the MCS and the number of streams that you can line up. To get that PCAF capture and say, see how we can analyze a roaming cycle. And that is what syncs in, right? So it's preparation, but it's also visualization. It's also yeah. concrete versus abstract. Abstract goes in one ear or the other.
2: I've always believed uh, that the work you do outside of your eight-hour schedule is the work that you equally feel passionate about So, what advice would you give for someone who's wanting to start something outside of his or her eight-hour work schedule
1: so this may just be my experience is i i was never successful i've always wanted to start a company from the day one I got out of school and I was not successful doing it outside a full-time job for one reason I would always get passionate about my job and I was working 60 hour weeks because I and I was learning and I was just there and that was my thing and so personally I could not do two things like that Uh, and I found it an opportunity to start my job when I would I I asked to be laid off it was in 2001 if you remember the the bubble burst on tech yeah. and i was at Hewlett uh, packard just an sort of Agilent at the time and I was at Agilent because they acquired my previous startup and they were laying people off and um, and I volunteered I said can I can I uh, get the package right and and that gave me eight months of pay and at the time I had a oh. small my son was a baby and it was a very risky thing to. And my husband supported me and I, I had that eight months of pay and I went out and found a partner uh, to, we did develop business plan and at the end my partner peeled off, but I went ahead and, and raised some capital. I raised $6 million to start Asimil Systems from venture capitals. Wow almost there were almost no companies got funded because there was blood in the streets. Yeah. My six million dollar made top 10 investments of the year in you know, 2002 right? Yeah. After eight months and I just ran out of my severance and my husband was home with the baby, you know. So anyway, so we got started. But that's the only way I found uh, that I could do it is I full-time focused. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to work for everyone, but that's my experience. Is you need to focus. You need to find a way. Yeah. Give yourself that time and it's going to be risky. But without full-time focus, you won't. And even in that eight months that I had, it was an instant like I knew exactly what to do. There were many ideas to try and say, oh, somebody's already doing it. Oh, this one doesn't have a market. And then finally, boom. And you have to be patient and you do need the time you know it's possible maybe you can do some of the pre-screening of the market uh, yeah. part-time but when you want to go develop your business plan you kind of have in my that's my experience i had to full-time go go at
0: it. Yeah. one of the things that uh, i have seen at least from all my days at optoscope is you you're kind of like a poster child for work life balance. I've seen that no matter what happens in the company, how you know, no matter how busy you are, you always take that hour to yourself to take care of your health. You always take time off, like you know, no matter which meeting you're in, anytime your family calls, you're you're out, you pick up the call, you know. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how how can what can one do consciously to maintain that work-life balance as an employee um, rather than you know there are a lot of perks that organizations give today to address this work-life balance topic but what can an employee do uh, to consciously maintain that balance well I think
1: you said the key word just now you have to consciously do it because it's very easy to get busy and forget right yeah and you know what's important to you and at what stage of your life when I was a young engineer, I didn't have a balance. It was all work. I did not, I, I would get home or leave early and get home late. I was just at work. I'm, I'm watching my son do the same thing now. He's 21 in the lab. He's, he's the first one in the lab where he's doing the project, um, biochemistry, and then the last one out, that's what he's doing. Maybe he has my genes, I don't know. <laughs> uh, They'll say you get older, you you may be that changes, right? You yeah. find a significant other, you get married, you've got a kid. Now other things matter and now you're much better at your job. You kind of know, you know, there's still a passion and you have to be conscious of your needs and it, they will change over time. So health, obviously, is important. Without yeah. going for a run, my brain isn't going to work well. I'm going to start feeling better. I'm not going to do my job well. Uh, plus i enjoy it it's my time to myself it's meditative i just go run you i know you go for a swim we have yeah. uh, but like you said you just have to understand that we have different needs at different uh, periods of our lives and know what those are and be yeah. true to us to be true to them
2: let's switch gears and talk about management right and How does the transition from an IC role uh, to management look like? And what should one focus on?
1: Good question. Um, As your question implies, you want to be sure you want to do it. uh, And, but you don't know until you try. So it's like a chicken and egg thing like we talked about earlier. So I am always up for trying and giving it some effort. Uh, Now, as far as obviously, there's uh, when you're an individual contributor, you manage yourself, and it's a technical role, like you said. When you become a manager, it's not about you at all. You have to put your ego on the shelf. It's all about your team. Your job now is to make sure they're engaged, they're in the zone, they're in the right place. They love coming to work. That's a different job from coding. But coding helps you because you can get in their shoes and you know how they feel when they're chasing this bug that happens once every blue moon. I mean, if you don't know that firsthand, you can't manage them because you you'd be unfair to them. So, well, what's taking you so long? You know, <laughs> there, you know, you can relate. You can make them feel better. Say, so hang in there. I know it's hard. Can we try this and that? You know. They know when you are, when you have their back when you understand them, you have to bond with them. So the skill is very different, although your coding experience now really helps you to bond and do. All of it, right? It's a very different job. Not everybody likes it because some of us and especially when we're young we have egos, we want to be the hero, we want to be out there showing off how smart we are, and that's not a manager's job. Managers, like a coach, right? You know, you have players on the field, they're leaders. You are kind of in the background. But if you start in a company, leading company, you do have some management help. Management skills help you, but you're not a manager at that point. If you kind of cross that, that's the next step. You become a leader where you do have to be a superstar people like Steve jobs you know, that's they are the face of the company when you move to management you you will use those skills to to get your team to do it and be happy and then when you advance to starting your own company and leading you will still rely on those management skills you need them but you will need other managers in the end
0: i know that one thing that uh, i struggled with when I moved, when I wanted to make the move from IC to management, was delegation. And also, the, uh, the other thing that I learned about management is when you see a problem, it's not more about trying to go and fix it, it's about thinking about it from a process perspective.
1: Hard thing because when you know how to do something, it's easy for you. You're watching your employees struggling. Yeah. You roll up your sleeves, you get in there, you do it. <laughs> what have you just done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not this poor person, yeah. it's like, you know, you've overstepped and you've done it, you've crushed his ego, he hasn't learned anything, right?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, the best book I read on that topic is called Multipliers. I forget the author's name. Uh, it's a good book. It's a good book. It shows you how you can still use those skills, but you, stood down, you go there with an employee, you, you coach them, and you maybe you step in with them and help them get over the hump, and then you remove yourself and let them keep driving and keep learning. It's very very hard because when you know something and you're good at it, it's the most tempting thing to just get in there and do it. Oftentimes you do it in a startup because you're you don't have enough cash and your customer is waiting and it's a huge order and you have to do it. There are situations like that. Uh, and you have to do your best with employees and explain to them that you're going to step in and do it, but maybe you just follow up and have them work with you or, yeah. learn, or you give them some you said you delegate something you know they can handle don't just you know there is a balance and in the end you, you won't learn everything from the book. Because you you learn from the book and then life is different. Oh, this wasn't in the book. What
2: do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think collaboration plays a key is what I'm taking away from your answer. Like, hey, okay, if there's a case where you can go make someone better and accelerate them, go ahead and do it. I
0: mean, I'd like to move to more of like an organization from an organization's perspective and to what's happening today. Um, the employment space today is has a new nickname i don't know if you've heard it they call it the great resignation um you know there are a lot of people quitting and joining new jobs today um so what in your opinion is the primary motivation for an employee to stay or leave a company
1: i mean without a doubt it's it's who they work with and for yeah right and whether they are engaged if it's the engagement level if you're bored you know the giving you're bored you're not going to stay uh, yep. if, if your manager found a way to give you a challenge and engage you not too big a challenge so you fail but a good manager will find the right level for everyone and you're learning and you're
0: engaged uh, Then you will stay that's really the more interested you are in your job the more you want to stay
2: so we live in a generation where your customers needs and wants change on a minute by minute or second by second basis greg so uh how would you approach that ever-changing need of serving an audience that's changing uh on a day-to-day basis because at the end, we're just serving our customer.
1: You learn, you know, you rely on experience. Uh, you need good people skills. You need to, you need empathy. So you need to learn to understand people and feel what they feel. Listening skills actually are much harder than people realize. And there are classes out there that teach us how to listen and not just listen, but empathize, you know, get into that person's skin, really understand echo back what they say make sure you understand and then the people know when you've heard them make sure they know you heard them you may not agree and you may not be able to accommodate but you can echo back what they say and then they know you understand but if if they don't know that you understand them you just respond they just keep repeating again and again because
0: they think you haven't heard them. fanny to that point you know um... I'm I'm thinking about a company's innovation here, right? When a company looks to innovate, what's what are the few things that they need to consider before going down the innovation route and taking their project all on their own, uh, other than outsourcing it? And to your point about customers, right? Customers always have a changing need. Um, so at what point do you draw the line and say that okay, I will cater to this new need for the customer versus you know no, this is what my company does, and we're not going to move in that direction. Well, there's a
1: difference between persistent and stubborn. (laughs) The customer is asking for something new, and you have to step back and say, is this only for this customer, or are there 10, 100, 1,000 other customers that also need it? And you put it in your slides and you go to your customer say we have this feature, will you buy it? You know, we had really pretty effective marketing because we sold stuff before it was real. Yeah. And the stuff the customers didn't want, we didn't want to build. And that's I one still of
0: the smear of and I think.
1: <laughs> way we did it from the start. Actually, we continued with our consulting culture because we were a consulting company. We built what the customers Paid for, we kind carried it over into product. Is, 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 although we have a platform, take it here or there. Where do we take it? Well, if somebody is willing to pay you, and you test market, and a few other customers are willing, take it there. Uh, but um, you you won't always make the right decisions, and you back off. But another thing to remember is that some new features that the market's not familiar with can take a year to establish you may not sell like you know so you got to be aware of that too is maybe the world just doesn't understand what you're saying maybe you're not marketing right maybe it takes you a year to communicate that and so you you know there's a lot you kind of learn Uh, you learn your customer base you learn the dynamics of your market
2: I'm sure you've heard this term uh called oh we live in a digital economy with uh the cloud, AI, data science, cryptos, and all of this, and all of these impacting organizations in some shape or form, some wanting to embrace it, some not wanting to embrace it. It's a two part question from my end. The first question is, in this ever-changing digitization era that we currently are in, what does an employee do in second, what does a company do to stay relevant and not be obsolete
1: and it's a good question because a right tool that unless you have to invest in learning it like anything else you know you don't know if it's right you gotta invest some time maybe it's right maybe it's not and how do you find the time you're busy you're always rushing around and, and <laughs> so it's one of those things you you don't take the time to learn the tool and then you end up spending a lot more time. I see it like with simple example, even more than PowerPoint. I took the time and I learned a few tricks and I can drive that PowerPoint and do with it, that I and nobody can do. And I try to go to the team and say, Can I show you a few tricks? Why no PowerPoint already. I know how, I don't have it. Yeah. And they don't. Uh, and, and so I said, so, so, okay, sit down, sit down with me. Give me five minutes and I'll show you a few you things. So you know, yes. you've got Slack, you've got Jira. And at first, you don't want to learn them because you like you write in your notebook, you have your way to do it. You're in a rush. You don't have the time. It's a call you have to make. You have to consciously put the, the
0: value on you know, the tool that's going to help you be more productive. What words of encouragement would you give an entrepreneur? And what words of caution would you give them? Yeah, uh, I would say it's
1: it's a ton of fun. Don't be afraid. It's a lot more fun than working for someone. Figure out what you can do that the customer will pay you before you make it. I, that's <laughs> worked for me when I started my own. And if you can figure out how to do it with revenue very close to when you start, you would you can still put get money into the company. But if you're selling. And you're on your own two feet it's a lot you're a lot that's desperate to get the money yeah. you can get it. people just gave it to me they came and gave me half a million dollars because we were just selling and shipping out of my basement uh, <laughs> this group of investors just gave me half a million dollars it wasn't in good terms and and got us jump started to production if you can figure out how to do that that worked for me a lot better than getting venture money with all the planning ahead Uh, Because somebody pays you to do it, you know you have a market. Maybe it's a market of one, but they paid you and you took a chance and you couldn't sell it to anybody else, and so you try again. In the end, take your time. You know you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're in it for ten years. Nothing's going to happen less time than that. Just build the value. Figure out who your customers are. Try this and this and this, and something will be successful. None of us are geniuses we just persevere, we stick with it and something works. You gotta have your antennas too.
2: So it was interesting because I was reading this quote the other day from Edison where he says, hey, it takes 1% inspiration uh, and 99% perspiration to be a genius. What's one common trait that you see uh, in successful entrepreneurs uh, that you've discerned from all of these people?
1: A lot of work uh, to implement something. But to be successful, you really have to think, learn to think on your feet, you know, going back to, you're not gonna learn everything from the books. You're gonna fall and hurt yourself and get up and try again. Uh, you have to be mentally prepared that you're not going to succeed right away it's a long road you have to enjoy what you do, or you won't be able to
0: persist Uh, well that was great fanny i think i think i learned a lot about you but i learned a lot about how to approach the industry as well Uh, we have a common question that we ask uh, all uh, the people that we interview how would you define success Finding. Okay,
1: so uh, I do think money plays a role. Now it depends on your goal. Let's say if I you if you're a technologist and you're not making a lot of money, you're working on the wrong thing. But if you're a teacher, your rewards are different. If your students don't get into Harvard and Yale and become great, um, then you didn't you're not meeting your goal, So there are different measures, depends on the mission at
0: hand. Yeah. Thank you for chatting with us, Fanny, and thank you for being the first participant on the uh, Experts in Their Fields project.
2: Yeah, for me personally, I learned a lot, at least in terms of your perspectives on organization, management. Oh,
1: it's been great fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, coming up with really good questions and, and uh, making me think back through my life. This was a, a lot of fun. and uh, I appreciate your reaching out to me.